Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer, the host of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai, where we're going to talk about the Japanese concept of Ikigai or living a life of purpose. Here you're going to hear inspirational stories from all different types of people who are finding their own life of purpose. You're going to hear about how they found their Ikigai and what they do every day to live an integrated life. So without further ado, let's dive right in. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. And welcome to wherever you are in the world listening to Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai. I'm your host, Jennifer Shinkai. And I'm so excited to have with me today Koji Tokumasu, who uh, you're going to find out all about his story. <laughs> so I'm not going to introduce him. But what I will tell you about Koji is that um, actually, I have a special accessory on today. I don't know if you can see them if you're watching. They are little rugby balls, which uh, I was given um, during the Rugby World Cup, which Koji knows something about. Yeah. Uh, my family came to Japan for the Rugby World Cup from the UK. They're rugby mad. And we had a touch rugby kind of um, uh, like friendship event with the Sumidaku Touch Rugby Club. And one of the members gave me these little earrings. So I thought I would wear them today in honor of you and your achievements, Koji. Um, but I first met Koji just a couple of weeks ago at the 200-year anniversary of rugby in Japan. Um, there was an event with rugby school, head teacher was there, and um, Koji made this amazing, funny, entertaining speech about his story. And afterwards, I just went up to him and said, that was brilliant. What an amazing story. Please be on my podcast. And I was delighted that he said, okay, sure. What's podcast about? And then we had a couple of um, chats around it. And his story is so fascinating. Um, from the first time that he, he moved to the UK, he spent time in Wales. Um, and then, of course, bringing uh, a couple of pivots in his career, bringing the Rugby World Cup to Japan and like where he is now. Like, what do you do after you achieve such an amazing goal? And how does that contribute um, to different feelings of Ikigai in your life? So we've got so much to talk about, so many exciting things. But Koji has um, a diary entry Mm. um around this is such an amazing book if you're watching on youtube maybe you can hold it up to the camera so on youtube people can see it this uh maybe koji you can introduce what this is thank you jennifer that um this is koji talking about speaking today as your guest and then um today is i'm having one diary book written back in 1977 um if something happened to my house, fire or something, yes, or earthquake, uh, this is the book I will run away with with me. Is it? Because, yeah, this is you can't buy. And there's it, all handwritten memory of what happened. Have you, in have you scanned it? No, not yet. You need to, Koji. Yeah. It's so yeah. important. Okay. So important. Yeah. yeah. It started August 26, 1977. Okay, uh, two years before that, um, actually before that, I, when I was a student, I was always wanted to go abroad, but I had no money to go. And one day I, was, I said to myself, when time comes, I want to go abroad. 1975, the Welsh rugby team came to Japan and I watched the game in Osaka. It was such a beautiful rugby they showed. It. First time I see, I've seen that's beautiful rugby. So I said to myself, now, this is the place I want to go and learn rugby 
and how to coach rugby, like this kind of beautiful rugby. But then I worked another two years to get some money. And the day comes in 1977, I decided to go to Wales without any introduction, any plan. I just jump onto the Pakistan International Airline. And then, as this diary says, I um, went to, um, maybe you can say it. Can you say it? <laughs> we'll get a, we'll get I, a picture yeah, of it later. Okay, anyway, yeah. uh, from Tokyo, Pekin, Royal Pindi, Damascus, Athens, Rome, finally Copenhagen. It took me 32 hours to get to Copenhagen by stopping five places. But this is the cheapest way for me at that time. <laughs> at that time, one pound cost 500 yen. What? One dollar. Yeah, well, it was fixed. 100, uh, 500, sorry, 500 yen. Yeah. And then US dollar is 360 yen. It's all fixed rate. Mm. So for me, it is important how to not to spend any money in in UK, and then uh, so that I can stay longer. Yeah. Uh, but first place, the reason I went to Copenhagen is because at that time, you, know, you remember there's a hippie was very mm. popular. Hippie, hippie, yeah. hippie people went to UK with only one way ticket and getting and then do some work and the British government was very concerned about more young people like hippie just coming to uh, UK because they're already suffering from uh, unemployment so they don't want to have young people from abroad to get oh, more nice. work. I heard that so if you go to Heathrow they're strict they're very strict on uh, entry so some of the young young people was rejected to even get into UK or gave us only one week stay. Right. But then I, I checked all the details and found out if I go to Copenhagen and there is a, a, a cruise boat from Denmark to UK uh, getting to the place called Howitch Bay, Howitch Port from Denmark. Must be the uh, checking was not as strict as that's a two reasons that's the one reason another reason i just want to have a look at um copenhagen i mean denmark uh, before i went to wales and just a reminder so, to everyone yeah. who's listening you know this is 1977 it's the year i was born there was no mm. internet so yes. you're researching all of this through <laughs> talking to people newspapers books like how are you getting this uh, up-to-date ah. information Friends of friends. Very, very interesting. Yeah. yeah. There is a, one group in Japan called YAC, Young right. Abroad Club. Young okay. Abroad Club. Right. I joined a club and they send us some of the experience of a booklet of those who went before ah. monthly. Right. So that's only only booklet I got it. But then but like I a print, to, I... a print newsletter kind of thing. Wow. Yes. And also, I went to Denmark Embassy and then I found out which youth hostels are available and what sort of a boat is going from Denmark to UK. Mm. So I had to go there as well. So, yeah, that was the only yeah. way. But there's yeah. no way I could even book it beforehand. At that time, if you write a letter, it takes uh, took one week to get there. The so return is take two weeks you get reply <laughs> <laughs> if it comes immediately right so yeah i just want to like remind people now you go oh yeah i'm gonna go to i'm gonna go to wales to learn how like beautiful yeah. welsh rugby is played 
it's so easy. But in 1977, yeah. it's like a huge undertaking to get the information in English, by letters, by talking <laughs> to people, all the different things. I just want to acknowledge that commitment to your dream. Yes, thank you but for so this. So you, you arrived there. Um, I yeah, think I arrived. Established sorry. September UK, 3rd, right? which was my birthday. You were oh, you on the move. The 3rd, of, 3rd of September. <laughs> what was oh. happening? I'll be very, very oh, okay. um, Where do I fit in Koji's story? Okay, 3rd of <laughs> September, I arrived UK from Denmark. It's a day. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I arrived so, in the UK as well on September the third. So, were you born on the on this day? Born on September the third. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there we go. So okay. go in. Then, uh, yeah, yeah. And then I went to <laughs> yeah, I went to London uh, immediately from a Howitch airport. Uh, by the way, when I got to the Howitch Howitch uh, on the third of September, I was wearing it very nicely, and then gave a passport to the custom, mm. and they just picked and they said, oh, I I'm allowed to get in. How long? Six months. So I said, really? well, so I don't no know. hippie here. No <laughs> yeah. hippie here. So my uh, ploy works. My strategy works. I got <laughs> Were a six... you secretly a hippie, Koji? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, the six weeks uh, stay was allowed. So I, I jumped and they were well done to myself. I went to London by train and then I stayed in London a couple of days by staying youth hostel. Um, but to make it short, I didn't see any rugby in London. They're all playing football. So I said, oh, I have to hurry up to go to Wales to see rugby before my, my money runs out. So um, I took a train from uh, Paddington Station to Cardiff. Before I jump on, I bought a book called Where to Stay in Wales. And then I was reading a book on the train. And then where's the cheapest place to stay in Cardiff? And then one stay, one stay place came to my, my eyes. Oh, this is Cardiff University dormitory is only two pounds per night, 1,000 yen at that time, whereas others is a four, five, six pounds per night, even cheapest place. So I said, oh, this is the place I want to stay. So when I got off from the Cardiff station, I rang up. Uh, my English was not so good, but I, I rang up to the university dormitory. May I stay your place? And the lady at the receptionist says, have you booked? No, no, I, I just came from Japan today. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. There's no way you can stay because you need a book. So uh, goodbye. Good luck. And then turn <laughs> was stopped. And then, uh, oh, Jesus. So I uh, walked around uh, Cardiff. Uh, I actually went to Cardiff Amazon Park Stadium to have a look. One hour later, I, I just said to myself, okay, let's try again because there must be a different receptionist may say something different. So I called <laughs> up again. It's dire. But like mobile telephone, I had to put yeah. coin and dial. And then the same lady uh, turned up and said, there's no way. I'm sorry. Uh, same story. And then normally, if I don't remember why I did that, but after that, I walked another hour to the Cardiff City and said to myself, compare with other places, this university is so cheap. So let's try again. <laughs> let's try. Just in case. So I just called up without thinking too much. Hello. And the same lady turned out, oh, you are again. Okay, you won. You, you, you can stay at our house today. Jump on the bus, <laughs> number 57, and come to the university. Oh. I did it. So that was the story of my first day in Cardiff. Amazing. It is written in this uh, diary. How did it happen? Yeah. 
And I mm. just think that's a wonderful example of your persistence <laughs> to make something happen, um, like being very aware of those those limitations. So have there been other times in your life when when that pattern has has shown up? Yeah, it's an interesting question because when I, after, before just Rugby World Cup 29 was going to happen in 2019, August, I received one email came to my PC when I was very busy handling email from ambassadors and you know, VIPs. And one email, my name is Ethan. I'm 14 years old. I'm from Australia. And then it's, it says, I like to, I am going to be a referee in the future. So can I referee one of the curtain raiser? game enjoying world cup i'm going to japan with my dad so that's email came in yeah so but i was so busy so i just forget, forget about it. i have no time to do that two or three day, days later the same email came my name is ethan i'm 14 years old came from australia but again i was so busy i, f- I threw away three days later on friday i'm like <laughs> Okay, you are in. I remember what happened to me. You are in. Okay, I'll find a place for you to referee. So, I um, mean, that persistence, it gave me, he must have something special. He's so passionate. I mm. want to help this person. He may be a future international referee. Yeah. And, yeah, something will happen. Yeah, so he has never given up. So, I want help. So, I wrote, uh, I just said, using my Facebook and the internet saying, Hey, there's a boy from Australia. Can you help him? And I have got 60 responses from various clubs. Wow. So he was able to referee one or two games during Japan. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So this is my rule now. <laughs> Once, twice, three times. And if it doesn't happen, you have to forget about it. <laughs> but at least ask three times. Yeah. I think so many people don't ask once. Because they assume mm. the answer is going to be no, there's no way. Because mm. they'll mm. get to like referee. Um, mm. Yeah, there's no way they'll have a space tonight. I won't even bother asking. So we don't even ask once, most of us. Mm. And then mm. to actually, yeah, silence isn't a rejection. It's important yes. to know, yes. um, you know, in Ethan's case. But, you know, no, sorry, you can't stay. Sorry, you can't stay. Try one more time. I think that's a great just reminder that if it's worth it and you're serious about it, um, don't give up. And it's not always people not responding to your email doesn't mean or your call like it doesn't mean that you can't do it. It just Mm. means you're not on their list of priorities. Right. (laughs) Keep bumping yourself up and and then you'll get an answer. But At at least Mm. you ask. At least you try. At least you can show how passionate you are. How how you're dreaming of that? Then people judge you. Or oh, this person has something different. Maybe if you write to wrong person, he might say, "Oh, it's just he doesn't do anything." But if you happen to write the right person, yes. he will re- react. Mm, yeah, he and maybe it's react. a good reminder for all of us uh, as well who receive those emails to be like, maybe I can be the person who gives gives this person the chance, like you said. Mm. You know, maybe this mm. person will be will become an international referee and just like the the lady at the Cardiff University dormitory was like maybe she she didn't know but you know she set you she set you on your path <laughs> right because you wouldn't you wouldn't have been able to afford to stay so long as you did so exactly, your life exactly. could have been totally different had she said different and yeah. not only that actually when when I arrived dormitory 
I was able to hear the sound of playing rugby uh, somewhere next to dormitory. So I, I just ran to the ground and it happened to be the, the rugby ground of a junior high school uh, next to the dormitory. And then uh, under 12, under 13 boys playing rugby and there was a coach who was coaching. So I took photos. Yeah. Uh, this is the worst rugby. I wanted to see this one. And this, this coach came to me, come on, excuse me, what are you doing here? You know, one, one <laughs> strange, strange Japanese man taking photos yeah, of man photo without, <laughs> without asking anything. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Uh, I came to Japan uh, today, and but I was so overwhelmed by the performance of Welsh national team two years ago, and I want to come. I want, I want to learn Welsh rugby, and he said, "Oh, is it true? Okay, then I will take you to the best place to learn Welsh rugby. Jump on my car." And he took me to the Cardiff College of Education, which is different from the University of Dormitory, but um, that was a very famous uh, university, rugby university in, in Wales. So that was in one day of this happens, the September that um, 20, something like 17th of 1977. And so uh, my life is completely different. So I was introduced to the card of coach of education and um, met many friends. And eventually I stayed two years in Wales, which was not, I didn't expect at the beginning. Amazing. I, I just, I love that story of persistence, of taking advantage of those and, and also, you know, sharing sharing your dream taking advantage of, of opportunities and then sharing mm. sharing your dream with people telling them it's really powerful um way to make things happen so so you stayed for two years and then um back to japan and i want to do a bit of a time jump <laughs> to yes um you know you you had a couple of pivots in your career yeah. as a teacher and working in publishing and then you know really coming into um Japanese Rugby Union from a more sort of uh, operational leadership um, administration perspective. And I was talking before about uh, the idea of, you know, how how did it go from the, <laughs> I, I described it as some guys sitting around in the pub after a rugby match going, um, you can tell me this is not what happened, but this is how I, the story I have in my head. Somebody should, somebody should bring the Rugby World Cup to Japan. It's about time. Somebody should do this. And then Koji, you said, I'll I'll do it. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> so can you tell me about like that process? Yeah. Uh, was okay, it was it you. a lightning bolt or was it uh, a long period of time? How did it play out? Yeah, thank you for asking me that question. It is uh the beginning of my second story. <laughs> that is the you see, it that happened all happened to the year two thousand three. Mm. And then the rugby popularity in Japan was went down and down and down because J League football was very popular. We are losing popularity. Ah, oh, it's always and football. Then, uh, yeah, in the way yeah. of you. <laughs> and if you remember that year two thousand two, the FIFA mm. World Cup was held in Japan yes. and Korea, and a huge success. And mm. rugby uh, football popularity even getting more and more popularity is going to football, less less popularity to rugby. At that time, I was a head of international relations in JI of Japan Rugby Football Union, and I was so disappointed. We have to stop this. And then FIFA World Cup 22 or, or two came, success. So I said to myself, let's bring Rugby World Cup someday. And this idea is not 
only by me. Mm. Some people uh, was thinking the same thing, but nobody was brave enough to put in an agenda. Okay, in January 2003, there is a, um, a speech, opening speech by our chairman, Japan Rugby chairman. At that time, the same year, JIF starting top league, professional rugby league starting, he was going to make one speech about this. And he asked me the day before, Koji, do you have some interesting idea to say, to add to my speech, to make it more interesting? <laughs> and I said to him, why don't you say Japan would like to host Rugby World Cup? Oh, okay, let's do it. And he said that in his opening speech, one day we'd like to host Rugby World Cup to Japan. And that became uh, the newspaper's uh, yeah. article the following day. Yeah. And the two uh, big commercial agents came to me Oh, we, we read the article, Japan will host rugby World Cup. Is it true? We want to do something about it, you know. Or I said to him, Jesus, okay, we didn't even discuss in the Japan board meeting. So you said that. <laughs> <laughs> they keep asking questions. Hang on, hang on. I... <laughs> so, okay. So I had to call up the, the CEO of uh, International Rugby Board mm. on the day. May I ask one question? Do you think it's possible Japan can host the World Cup in the future? Because uh, 2003, Japan participated, uh, only one winning, and mm -hmm. we just kept losing all the games. There's no visibility, no trust. And this uh, CEO, Mike Miller, said to me, well, it's not impossible. Well, maybe a good idea to bring the Rugby World Cup to make it a truly global sports. Mm. And I said, okay, thank you for telling me. So I said to the JFU board, I have be saying it's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> little little change of the, the yes. nuance there, but yes. yeah. <laughs> and then on the JFU chairman uh, president, okay, if I be saying that, let's let's make it seriously. And then uh, um, this CEO, Mike Miller, said to me, oh, well, I can stop over to Japan when I travel to Singapore in summer. So he came to Japan and we had a little press conference. And then it became even more, you know, our, our dream became stronger. So let's do it properly. So we, but it took us one year, so-called uh, um, the study. Uh, okay, how do you call it? The study to check if it's uh, possible or not. Oh, like a feasibility. Um, yeah, study. feasibility. Yeah. yeah, we had a feasibility yeah. study one mm. year. How much money we can make? Which stadium we can use? Right. Uh, the two thousand four, officially, JFU board decided. To host rugby world cup at that time for 2011 and later 2019 but 2011 we just aimed for 2011. Mm. all of a sudden my life changed became very very busy oh this is something i have to do so that was the beginning amazing I see, yeah so i think that uh, it is always happening yeah, when something successful happens some people say, I started it, I started, I started, you know, because, so of course, there are several people who was involved, if, mm. including a chairman, the president, um, but um, at the beginning, it was such a little speech yes. in the January. Right. And it's maybe one of those other um, lessons to take away from that is again, you know, putting putting that idea out into the world and and when people jump on it, you know the press is excited oh it's not impossible actually that it would make rugby a truly world sport you know a global sport because mm. it's definitely very geographically uh centered um 
So actually, when people start to go, hang on, yeah, let's this 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 could happen, then it gives yeah. us confidence in the in the idea, right? That oh, this might 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 actually go right. Yes, but um, but to be honest, that the once we declared we want to host World Cup, it was a very very difficult thing. You know, when I visited several rugby unions, major unions, they say, oh, there's no way. Because you know they didn't trust us, it was very mm. difficult to convince people. You need to get a vote to make it happen. So, uh, but I, I think my our attitude is just there's nothing to lose. Attitudes, you know, there's nothing yeah. to lose. Even we don't get it, um, but let's try. Um, one time, I went to Welsh Rugby Union, and we had a board meeting with Welsh Rugby Union. Okay, we are dreaming of having World Cup in Japan. All the board members say, oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. And then Japan played Wales. We lost 19-8-0. And then 98-0. And there's no, nobody want to look at us anymore. You know, they just left home uh, just, you know, because they don't want to speak to us. But, and then at night, I got a call from chairman who I, I knew very well. And then that's, that's me in a pub. And he said, he'd be half drunk. And he said, just forget about World Cup Japan. I mean, there's no way you can get trapped if you lose 100 points nil. There's no way. Just and then, so it is a big shock for us, but we have to carry on. Eventually, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Eventually, it worked at the end. Yeah, obviously, and it was a um, like a huge, a huge success. But how did you? Because I think it was such a long, a long process. Um, and and many challenges and like building that trust. So how how did you keep that sense of uh, sense of ikigai um, <laughs> around those around that topic? Mm, mm. So many years. Yeah, yeah. Because this two thousand three, we started the bid campaign, and the first vote was taken two years later, two thousand five, mm-hmm. for twenty eleven. We lost, yeah. and then we did again. 2009, we finally got the right of 2011-2019 World Cup. So it took us six years mm. to bring Rugby World Cup to Japan to convince people. And it is difficult, you know, because I myself was not sure if it is success or not. Actually, mm. even the day before the opening game, 2019, we are not sure if it's success or not. We are, we are lucky if it's success, but no one can can 100% sure if it's yeah. successful or not. But mm-hmm. you should keep working on it. And so the first step is to bring World Cup to Japan. But even more important step is to make a success. That's the second step. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I remember those days. And once I remember those days, sometimes I cannot sleep well, the night I spoke about this story because I was so excited about what happened to the bidding activities. Well, one thing mm. I can tell you um, from my experience, as I didn't go to a game, but I know many people who did, um, and spectators, everybody said, everybody I spoke to said it was amazing, such a success. Mm. Mm. Every single person said it was outstanding and a brilliant sporting event hospitality was amazing and japan just did um such a such a brilliant job so thank you for your amazing contribution to that event so, yeah really yeah, yeah. But, but just i i remember now that one thing happened three four days before the opening day which convinced me we may have some miracle happen 
that was a day when Wales, Welsh national team, had a public uh, training session in Kitakyushu. Mm. You see, uh, Kitakyushu is a is a training camp for Wales, and the city government worked very hard to have several uh, rehearsal mm. of the citizens to to sing Welsh songs and other things. On the day, three days before the opening's opening game, they had a training session. And the city government expected maybe 5,000 people came to watch you be lucky. But on the day, over 15,000 people came to the stadium. And what happened was when the Welsh national team players went to the pitch, 15,000 people started singing Welsh national anthem. Oh, so Welsh PR department, the Welsh national team just took the video of 360 degrees. Yeah. And and he or she mentioned the comment in a Twitter, look at this. We have no words. Something like that. Yeah. And so that's Twitter went all over the world. So when I saw that, I said to myself, something miraculous may happen to this World Cup. Yeah. Something miraculous. And then I found out this rugby World Cup was held in an old foundation in before Japan. Mm-hmm. There's none of the unions host citizens sang the song of the opposition or other countries than his own countries. Mm. The Japanese did sing a song for Wales to welcome them. It is called Omotenashi. Yes. Uh, and also, the Omotenashi is something which we are proud of, but that was symbolized because it's a rugby world cup. Yeah. I was very happy and lucky. And then uh, one uh, journalist, uh, I think uh, British UK journalist, uh, Guardians, uh, said in his article, Omotenashi is a very difficult word to translate in English because it's very different from hospitality. Mm. And he said, having in Japan for four, four weeks, if I try to put in English, in Japan, Omotenashi is doing your best to make your visitors happy. Or more than that, something like that. Mm. Do his best, her best to make uh, visitors happy, or even more than that, something like that. Yeah. You know? So I, I was very, that was beginning. And then also many interesting things happened all over part of Japan. Visitors, Japanese got together. Yeah. Yes. It was absolutely uh, amazing. And um, I, I'm just reflecting. I remember at the end of the Rugby World Cup going, the Olympics is going to be fabulous. Yes. And then, of course, COVID. Yes. Exactly. Uh, so that Rugby happens. World Cup, great timing. <laughs> great timing. It's just, uh, just two, three months before COVID came. And I'm just thinking, you know, for your, uh, for all your colleagues, um, I'm sure there's many people you know who are involved in the Olympics, like just how... How hard it must have been for them in that timing and and uh, all of the the challenges that that they faced, mm. um, but it really had got like the world was ready, you know the rugby world cup was almost um, uh, one of those trust building things like can can Japan mm. handle this now? Does it have yes. the infrastructure? So I think you also really built that amazing uh, branding of uh, omotenashi in action, which was of course yes. an important part of the Olympic bid. 
Um, I don't want to talk about the Olympics because uh, there was also lots of scandal and other things going on. So we'll we'll leave the Olympics <laughs> to the side. Um, and you you mentioned when we were chatting beforehand, though, sort of the maybe the the Rugby World Cup hangover that you had. Many people after a rugby game or have a different type of hangover after <laughs> being in the tournament, but you had a different yes. a different type of of hangover. Mm. And I think you you mentioned something about a dream that you had. Of, Yes, uh, interesting that uh, November the third was the final of the Rugby World Cup. Yeah. But then after the final is over, the end of November, one day I woke up like six or seven o'clock in the morning and said, what time is it? Oh, today is the day of the final. I have to hurry up. You know, three weeks after the final is over, still I was dreaming about Rugby World still Cup. Still living it. Still yeah. Living. So uh, it was good. It took a six, eight years to bring it and 10 years before preparation yeah. and 2019 is everything in my agenda so even after it is over still i've been thinking about is it true rugby work was successful is and i i may have been dreaming it's true yeah <laughs> something like that yeah. and then um so it was the end of november and then um 2020 came in in my calendar, there's no 2020 or even 2021, 2023, because 2019 was my goal. Right. Yeah. So I was not sure what to do. I didn't even plan what to do. Mm. Yeah. So how how did you how did you process that to sort of move mm. through? Yeah. When I look back, you know, there's something you can do. There's something you can't do. And maybe first six months after the Rugby World Cup was the time when I couldn't control myself. Mm. I'm just trying to let things go, let things mm. go. Not like having a rest, but um, just looking back the Rugby World Cup and then even think about what I should do next. It's very difficult to find out something you, you can do after you had such a big project. Yeah. And everything looked very small. And then um actually I lost myself in a, mm -hmm. in a sense. Well, I had I lost my health and I didn't have much much to do. And then gradually the changes started happening to my happen to my for example in August one of the high schools uh, sent me a letter say could you become a part-time coach? of a high school, if you have some time. And then uh, one university asked me, can you do some part-time visiting professor only once a month? That kind of small things start coming in gradually. Sort of a portfolio of, of little of little things. That yes. Yeah. Also, I made a, a small rugby club, uh, Shibuya International Rugby Club, two years before the Rugby World Cup came to Japan. At that time, I knew Rugby World Cup may come, but it finished very quickly. If I don't make this small rugby club, international rugby club, I wouldn't have no energy left after the Rugby World Cup. So I made it 2017, mm. and the Rugby World Cup started with only 50 members, became 200 members after Rugby World Cup, over. Mm. So I, but even running a small club was a small thing for me. But gradually, I realized it doesn't matter 
whether what you're doing project is big or small, if you get in it, into it, you can have the same enjoyment. So this is what I'm now. I'm focusing more about this small rugby club, how to make it better. And some of the children, as already went to Australia, went to England, and they talk about my club. So if we think about 10 years' time, a lot of graduates is, will be all over the world. So it's a different dream and different scale, but I still I regain the same passion as before. Oh, that's so, mm. so wonderful to hear. Because I yeah. think, yeah, that idea that, yeah, of course, it's Rugby World Cup, this type of project. For most people, we never have anything on this scale in our lives at all. Um, but for people like you, Koji, who have been involved in that, that's that massive, massive scope. Um, what is the other environment where you can have the same depth of feeling? Mm. Because I think you shared uh, in the speech, which I heard you, you said maybe the next time the Rugby World <laughs> Cup might come to Japan, like given all the politics and given all, what did you, what was yeah. your estimation? It was like 2050 something? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> if the politics happens, you know, it's, it, it takes a long time for Japan to get another World <laughs> Cup. So uh, my conclusion, we should all live longer. We should keep our health. Yes. Uh, that was my, uh, you know, closing speech. Uh, <laughs> and that, but, I think uh, that was what made me come and say, you know, because um, in the West, often Ikigai is talked about from the perspective of longevity. It's a reason behind uh, Japanese people living um, a long life, but something that mm. you um, you said to me in our in our prep call about that theme of like the, the importance of having something. Yes, yeah. yeah. I think uh, to answer your question, Ikigai, I could say this: um, when I went to Wales, you know, I played rugby in a college. I had a very interesting uh, experience. You know, I lost my first game in in a rugby team. I was taking a shower, and my teammates asked me, Koji, did you enjoy today's game? And I said to myself, enjoy. Well, for me, enjoy in Japanese, tanoshimu, you know, tanoshimu, mm. having fun. You know, how could you have fun? You know, because we lost the game. Why he asked such a question? And then uh, since then, I started to train myself in a weight training room. And next day, in a dark waiting room, I was doing weight training, very hard training. And then another player came in, and he saw me. And we met again in a shower room. Koji, did you enjoy that weight training? Again? <laughs> so I I couldn't translate the word of enjoy in Japanese. Tanoshimu is a bit different. And afterwards, I realized, oh, enjoy means do your best what you like to do. Not because you're asked by somebody. If you like that, you can enjoy. Even it's hard training, even you lose your game, you can still enjoy your game. This is the most important message in the golden world I got from my experience from Wales. There, um, this Ikigai, if I can summarize, uh, this is the philosophy I have. Even you make mistake, you try to enjoy because you like it. Right, so about doing, doing the thing that you like. It doesn't matter how well you do it. It doesn't matter, you win, you lose. Um, yeah, hard weight training. It's not fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
Yeah, it's not like a fun, like, uh, you know, just playing around, smiling. It's not yeah. like a fun, that kind of, but it's like a feeling of achievement. Mm. You know, if you want to do something, it's coming from your bottom of your heart. You want to do that, you enjoy if you achieve that. For example, if you play 100% in a game, if you lose, it simply means the opposition was stronger than you, and you have to accept it. It's the, it's the half, you look at the scoreboard, you have to accept, but you try to enjoy every minute of the game until the final whistle. That mm. was the attitude we're gonna, uh, we should follow. And every single moment of the play, you should enjoy. And the result is maybe the God makes a result, you have to accept, but the important thing is how you enjoy the game. Mm. Right. Yeah. Every day. So, uh, uh, yes. Yeah. So every um, I sometimes use this word when I'm giving this um, like a wedding anniversary. Koji-san, could you give us some words and say every enjoy every moment of your life? Um, that's starting from now. You know, something like that. So that's uh, I. I also keep telling myself something bad happens. I try to do it my, by myself. So what, what are you enjoying in your life right now, Koji? Apart from our conversation, obviously. <laughs> yeah, well, there are some, several things I, I enjoy. But if in a deep meaning of this, uh, this my, make this my small rugby club, the Shibuya International Club, is more successful, uh, I want to make it like a girls' team or, or various uh, variations. And there are so many things I can still do, which other Japanese clubs haven't done it. Um, but yeah, do you ask question of enjoyment with a light, small scale or a big scale? Even All big scales. Scale? All scales. All scales. Yeah. Are there any small scale things that you're enjoying right now in your life? Yeah. Every morning I woke up, first thing to do is make a little cup of cappuccino and then starting how today is it going to start with a cup of cappuccino? That was the best moment for me. Yeah. So it looks like uh, one day is like a life. You know, when started a day, it's like when you're born, a lot of, uh, you know, dreams and the future, what's happened. Mm-hmm. Lunchtime, and then when you come to 2 or 3 p.m., you realize not much time left to me. It's like a middle-aged man. When at night... There's not much time left as if you're an old man, you know. But the good thing about your life is you have tomorrow you can try again. Yeah. But if it's a life, you have to wait until you, the time you die at night. So it's like a cycle for me. It's one, every day is just like a life. The morning time when I have a cappuccino today, I went out with cappuccino mm. and, and the sun. The sunshine is also another favorite thing. Having cappuccino and the sunshine and think about all the possible dreams of the day. And that was my favorite moment at the now. Wonderful, yeah. We're, we're recording in uh, in early March in uh, Tokyo and the, the first signs of spring are coming. The Kawasakura, the early sakura is out and we're getting this like sense of Hanami is on the way. The cold yes. winter is over. It's a really like fertile and exciting, exciting time to start to uh, put out those new shoots. On the mm-hmm. 
So we're coming towards the end of our time together, Koji. So I have two final questions for you. Yes. The first one is, uh, what is the question that I didn't ask, but I should have asked you? Well, okay, you have asked most of the questions, but probably <laughs> it's very similar to what you asked. Maybe what, is, what are your favorite things? Mm, what are your favorite things, things Koji? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apart from this cappuccino sunshine, I just said I like playing the guitar and the bass. I like music a lot, to be honest. So, I when I had the time, I play. I wanted to be a guitarist when I was uh, uh, under fifteen, and I didn't become a guitarist. But because I played guitar at that time, when I became an international rugby board member in Dublin. When I was bidding, I played the guitar and sang song together with them. I became friends with them very easily. So anything will help you towards the end. So and also I enjoy uh, going to onsen, Ooh, hot spring, hot springs, and, yeah, yeah, a relaxing time. And I like um, wine, champagne. I used to like beer uh, when I was a Wales. Of course, they like beer, mm. but now when I was getting older, you can't have too much beer, so I changed to wine and champagne and recently i like a special coffee a top class coffee you know mm -hmm. with grinding right and so yeah so this is Dipper, this is yeah. yeah those are my favorite things um so today maybe after this i play a little bit guitar and then um relax myself before i start my work today Wonderful. There you go. And just actually, Koji, hearing you list up your favorite thing, you know, your whole face lit up, your energy um, was so light and exciting. So I think that's a great inspiration for everyone to, what are my favorite things? What do I really yeah. enjoy in life? I really, I really like the song, uh, my favorite thing in, uh, it is the Sound of Music. Yeah, I also like that song as well. Right. With your own lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> and my final question then for you Koji is so now you have a chance to speak to all of the listeners of uh, Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai and give them your final message so what's the one thing you would like them to take away from the conversation today yeah thank you for asking that one it is difficult to give one word um, before I say that one I say that life isn't always what one likes you know, this was the uh, words, I think, used by Audrey Hepburn in uh, Roman Holidays or something like in my movie. So I just say, I always think to myself, life isn't always about one life. You know, there's something you can't control. There are many things that happen. But I'll do my best to enjoy my life. It's my word. Um, so there's something, you know, when you do something, you have to expect that may not happen to you. But there is always a possibility that might happen. So I will do my best to enjoy my life. Thank you. And uh, yes, a great message to all of the listeners and people watching on the on YouTube as well to do their best to enjoy their life. It isn't always what we want. But remember to make the phone call three times or send that email three times. Be persistent. Tell people about those goals. And, uh, yeah, start start something small and see how it grows. Um, yes. Koji really is testament to 
persistence to making something happen to committing for a really long period of your life to something much bigger than yourself that brought so much joy to other people and then you know taking all of that experience and putting it into another project on a different scale with with different young humans who are going to be uh changing the world with really positive memories of their time in japan as well so thank you so much for your time today it was so inspiring to talk to you and i can't wait to see what you do next i'm really excited <laughs> okay. for your next iteration of your life yeah maybe next month if you have the same interview i may start something different <laughs> so let's keep let's keep you, talking yes you are always welcome back you are always welcome back the friend of the podcast thank you so much koji and i look forward to hearing what listeners uh think what resonates for you so feel free to drop a comment or drop an email to me as well thank you so much goodbye thank you bye Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you found something you could take away from the episode to help you find your own Ikigai and integrate it into your daily life. And I'd love to hear exactly what resonated with you. So pop over to see me on LinkedIn or on my Facebook page. You can find the links in the show notes below. And let me know what you thought was the most important takeaway from the podcast today. And sharing is caring. So feel free to share this episode with one of your friends who you think could benefit from hearing about living a life of purpose. Looking forward to see you on the next episode of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai.